Welcome into episode 44 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by CA Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Nailed the intro this week. It doesn't fit so well when you nail it when you then follow it up with nailed the no, intro. No, no, no. I was, like, you, look, I was, you look so proud of yourself right it's now. It's because I was thinking throughout the entire thing. I was like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. <laughs> I couldn't do three three weeks in a row of me like tripping up on something. So do you think that's Mikey Keen before every downfield pass? He's just like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And <laughs> they go for it. Well, he's he's not messing it up as of late. He didn't. He had a really good week. He, he had did. a really good game. The, all, the rest of the offense, not so much. But Mikey Keen had a, <laughs> a really, really good game. He actually, almost, like, his stat line was, I, I, during the game, I was like, he seems like he's playing really well. And I checked the stat line after, and I'm like, that is a shocking stat line for a team that put up, four, or for a quarterback whose offense put up 14 points. Yeah, and it came, he came one touchdown short of me getting a prediction right, so. Oh, man, do you have your prediction record? <laughs> We're going to do that at the end, aren't we? I know. I mean, I'm I went, oh, I went like, 0 3, of course, last week. Did so. you really? Uh, I went 2 and 1. Of so. course I did, yeah. I'm, you just only wanted to ask me mine so that you could say you went 2 and 1, right? That's 100% correct. I knew yeah, it. That, I know that, you too well at this correct. point. I know we're going to talk about it later, but I'm, I've been on like a hot streak. I've been doing really well. It's going to end this week because I don't have a freaking clue what to expect. I this game, feel but. decent about them this week, but I don't know. We'll get to them. We'll get to them. We I gotta, feel we like talk. I'm you willing to bet. Late. I'm going to say this now so that the listeners – I was about to say the readers. The listeners <laughs> will have forgotten by the time we get to the predictions, but I feel like – I don't know why I made these my predictions because I feel very confident that I'm going to go 0-3. Like, I feel like that is by far the likely outcome, but whatever, we'll do it. Well, the thing is, you're probably going to go three and oh, and not saying that because I feel like I'm going to go three and oh, and I'm probably going to go own three because I always go own three. I mean, Gus Malzahn can't even walk. How are we supposed to know what to expect from this game? I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> for those of you who don't understand, they didn't see the news today, of course. <laughs> I guess it would make sense to explain now why Christian just said our head coach cannot walk because he can't um, walk. He has a fractured tibia and he's on crutches. Can we take can we take a moment to appreciate that he coached the entire Tulane game on a broken leg? Yeah, I don't understand because I and then didn't they say they asked uh, T Will on Sunday? weren't they like asking him about him? And he was like, oh yeah, he's like he's good to go, it's fine. Yeah, Malzahn said in the press today that it was just he just had a pure adrenaline rush the whole game. Which, by the way, tell me again that like your head coach like doesn't care about the game. Malzahn had such an adrenaline rush he didn't notice his broken leg while calling the game. That's the thing he's like, he's like I knew something was wrong, but you know it was okay. <laughs> which it's like when you watch him during the game, it's like of course he broke his leg. When Keen had that like shortly after the leg breaking, uh, Keen had this fifty yard like bomb downfield. So I think it was Brandon Johnson. It was a beautiful play call and it was a great play. And, you know, the whole team's running down to where they're lining up and Malzahn's like at the tail and just like hobbling along, like doing everything he can. I'm just watching him from press box, like this dude like dislocated his knee or something. Like, so I'm not surprised that it was a broken yeah. leg, but I can't believe he coached the game <laughs> on a broken leg. But now what happens? I mean, can you call plays if you can't move? Well, I mean, I, I think they said that they're still figuring it out and it sounds like he'll be up in the booth, I would assume. And they but, asked, uh, I think so Jason, Jason Beattie asked him like- work. Jason Beattie asked him if, um, well, didn't Hugh Freeze like call it from like a hospital bed in the press box one time? Is Hugh Freeze the offensive play caller? I thought he was calling the game from there. Maybe he was just, I don't know. Maybe it's it a, just being the head coach and being the offensive play caller are two different things. That maybe he seems like maybe you're adding a play caller. I don't know. Especially for a tempo offense like what UCF still likes to run occasionally. That yeah. seems dicey. Yeah. I mean, from what Gus said on Monday, um, which is, we're recording this on Monday again, by the way. Um, which makes sense to you if you're listening to this on Tuesday and then you're like, okay, yeah, they recorded it early. If you're listening to it on Thursday, then you're like, wait, what? So yeah, we're not, there's no good reason for it. I just, I'm out of town on Wednesday. So we have to do it now. And then I also am, am going to the UCF basketball game. So, so jealous. I was planning to go with you until I remembered I'm going out of town. Yeah, I was making plan. I was moving around my like entire week to go. And then you were like, wait, I can't go. And I was like, Christian, I've been in a complete, like I've made multiple plans while I'm not going to be here. And just not processing that I'm Solid. not going to be here, so I'm, I'm doing great right now, killing it. So yeah, the, the what Gus said on Monday was that this afternoon, on Monday afternoon, they would be kind of discussing what the plans would be and what they were going to do and how they were going to approach um, Saturday's game. And I guess the rest of the season, really, because it's he's got to be off his yeah. leg for six weeks. So I can't imagine season, he will give up play calling. Like I can't yeah. imagine that's something on the table. Maybe he'll just <laughs> I don't know. I think Maybe that, they'll just like call it from like a wheelchair or something. Like let's just, just, wheel let's, just uh, let's just like risk the NCAA violations and just like give Mikey a headset. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think earlier. Didn't like, didn't FSU get caught doing that a couple years ago? They might have with Francois. Me. 
I thought I remember, I don't know if they got caught, but I remember there was an FSU game where Francois like was looking confused and kept looking at the sideline, then like cupped his ears and oh. like leaned his head down and then like <laughs> nodded like, okay, and went and ran the play. And everyone was like, that doesn't seem like a normal thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I was trying to think earlier. I was like, well, can like, I was like, can he have a golf cart like on the sideline during a game? Like, I don't think that would work. I, I am fully rooting for him to have a golf cart and Quadrant Bowler to truck the golf cart and have it go like <laughs> like a car flipping. I love that someone asked who is Quadric in the doghouse. Yeah, well, like, and I don't know who like, asked no. it, but they phrased it like it was a real question. Like it was Quadric in the doghouse. It's like, yes, Quadric's in severe trouble for accidentally hitting the, <laughs> the coach. That that yeah. It was a good tackle. It was a good hit. Yeah, it was <laughs> violent, disruptive, relentlessness. Am I right? My gosh. Um, I don't know. I'm actually really worried that like I'm worried about the like that's I know we're like joking, but it's actually kind of a big deal that the head coach is going to have to call a game and be the head coach of a game in a completely different way than he ever has in his career. It's worrying, but I imagine they'll figure it out. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I think they have having the discussion on Monday. I think they'll figure something out and it'll, it won't be I don't think it'll be too big of a factor. I could be completely wrong, but I, I kind of not. like. You said it like, like, like this is going to, I'm not trying to like sound insulting to Gus or be like, he's an old person, but it really in my brain, brain, like my mom suggested this. And I'm like, doesn't a motorized scooter kind of make sense? Yeah. Like, I feel like that would actually make sense. I'm not I trying mean, to make like, like an old person. Joke. I see. Well, yeah. And there's also the thing, I mean, I don't know if they would do this, but I've seen like, you know, when players get like leg injuries, I like we're just diving into this for like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> no, well, it's, when, it's actually a pretty big deal. When players get leg injuries and stuff, you know, they have the, um, what's it's just like, it is just a scooter where they have like their leg, the one leg. Oh, where they like kneel the line. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so I want to see Gus use one of those. <laughs> maybe he's going to do that. I really don't know. Down the field. I don't know. But yeah, I just, it's like I said, it's even if it was just a normal, like head coach, but it's just the fact that he calls the plays makes it a problem. Yeah. So you want to get into the rest of the two lane recap from Saturday? Right. Other than the Malzahn injury. Yeah. Um, other than the, the, the big key injury that came out of that game. It's got, we I, can't go a game without one. So, this which it was, was so funny because the national people, because I think it was Jason Beattie's tweet was the one that popped off the most. It was like Gus Malzahn revealed that he suffered a, a broken uh, leg in the team's game against Tulane. And like national people are like, what? Like, like, <laughs> what, like what happened? Yeah. And it's just, that's this season in a freaking nutshell. It really is, but uh, but yeah, the Tulane game. I should I should I do my fan base rant now? Should I get out of the way? Sure. Okay. We'll I didn't know you had one. Way. I was not prepared for this. I didn't know I had one until after the game. So okay. I it, it was just another example of just me and the fan base not matching up. Is like that was a really ugly game, and you know I like I I, I was actually caught off guard. The game ended, and I was like, wow, they won. Thank God. That was really stressful. Great. And this was not a lot of people, but then you go on social media and like people were literally like. I'm not paying to support a team that plays this like ugly style of football. Like, please, like you're right. You know what? You're absolutely right. I really think that um, with uh, the star quarterback out and the top receiver out and the offense just, Oh, and Isaiah Bowser missing most of the game and Isaiah Bowser actually already being the third string running back with the first string mix out. So you're missing your top three running backs, your top receiver, your top quarterback. I definitely think like the discussion this week was like, Malzahn being like, well, how do we make sure we're playing a type of offense that the crowd will enjoy? Like, I don't worry about winning. Like, I don't worry about that. Just like, like, I I just, if that's your take, then you're dumb. Yeah. You know, like I just, and I don't have time for your opinions at that point. And and that's the harshest I've ever been to fans, but like, we're not doing that. You know, like UCF season was on the freaking brink. It didn't even look like they were going to make a bowl game. They've gone four and one in their last five games. The defense has not played this good literally in five plus years. And you're, you're throwing a fit because the offense didn't score. The offense didn't play fun enough to your liking. Like, like you're just, your opinion is completely invalid. If that's what you think, like I'm all, I, I like, I'm all for like, let's discuss things. Like let's have debates. Let's debate if Joey Gatewood should be used. Let's debate. Like if, if that's your thing, you're like, well, I didn't, the offense wasn't fun enough for my liking as UCF won its fourth, four, it got its fourth win in five games. Then just like, feel free to shut up. I, I really, that's all I can say to that. Cool. I mean, do you disagree with that? No, I really I just, don't. I, I, don't. I, I just, I was so baffled by that. I really was. Especially, it's not even like this is like UCF wants to play this way. It's like they are still very injured on offense. And I feel like people have just kind of forgotten that. Right. And I feel like it's at this point, and I told you this after the game on Saturday, that it felt to me like just win. Like, I, I don't care how they get wins this year. Because this year has been just a kind of a mess with all the injury situation and just everything, the way everything's unfolded. I don't have any room to complain about any wins. Like, I don't care how they win. 
just I just how did we get from that? How did we get from the Navy game where it was this? And I, I wrote a story on Night Sports Now. You should go check it out, everybody, about how how UCF recovered the season. The factors that led to it from when we literally were thinking five and seven, six and six to now at worst case, eight and four, potentially nine and three. And it's like there's this chunk of the fan base that just will always complain. So they've had to and they're just running out of things to complain about. So now the complaint is why wasn't, you know, why wasn't the offense more fun? Yeah. So, yeah, that's just not a real complaint. That's just not a real take on anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand to an extent because you look at you look at Tulane's defense and like where they rank everywhere. And you're like, well, you would you would have thought UCF would score more points than that. So I get that. Oh, like, yeah, you would have. Like, no, it was not a good offensive performance. Yeah, I I'm not, I'm not saying like, I just oh, don't want I you to that. say like you can't just say, like, oh, this is the style of football UCF plays now. It's not. It's just, you know, these these kind of <laughs> games are going to happen. Remember, because just think back to the like, 2016, like. We talked about this week after week with between you know, the parallels between Milton's freshman season and Mikey Keene's. And, you know, Milton had games where like, like last week where, you know, they scored 49 points at Temple and the next week he'd come back and, you know, they'd, they'd kind of struggle a little bit. He'd maybe turn the ball over, but it, it's, it's kind of a week by week thing as a true freshman. But if you're winning games, I feel like that's all that you should really care about. And as a, as a true freshman, like I'm not going to complain about a, a four point win. And I feel like I need to clarify now because now you've said that I'm worried I've pissed off fans that I'm not mad at. If you're complaining about like the how the offense performed, that's fine. I'm right. not like saying like you shouldn't like like whatever. Like listen, there there were like UCF was really determined to establish the run in that game, and it just wasn't working, and it was getting a little nightmarish at points. And like it was I, that offense was dead in the water, and it was frustrating. Not the good kind of nightmare. Discussing that and debating, complaining about that fine whatever it's the people who literally are like i don't like this identity like why isn't ucf winning like how these <laughs> those people are nuts like i'm sorry but i just so i'm not like if you're upset with how the offense performed i'm not I'm, you're, yeah. you're not who i'm talking about that's it, where it, you know. in the early part of your rant i was like wait and then i was like no okay once you once you kind of flush okay out, was, was that reason. clear in my yeah, initial no, by, by okay. the end yes i think so okay I, initially i was kind of like well they didn't play well i was like okay well, no that's not what, what i'm saying i was th- yeah, yeah. okay okay yeah yeah right, we're good well. We're on the okay. same page. Yeah, we did it. But the See, defense. The defense, man. Defense is insane. It's pretty good. They have pretty 10 solid. points. Um, and just the when you look at like the stat sheet, you just look at like the individual performances that made up this collective effort. Like Bryson Armstrong, first of all, like him, he's just become a force. He was named to the AAC weekly honor roll this week, and he had 11 tackles. Seven of them were solo tackles. He had one sack, two tackles for loss, a pass breakup and two quarterback hurries like that's a <laughs> that's a full like two week three week stretch of of games right there in one stat line it's fascinating that we were complaining about his performances as recently as like four or five weeks ago i mean he's really and i know they've changed his role a little bit and that's been a big part of that but i mean he has just been freaking fantastic and yeah. honestly I, so for that story i wrote so i did a couple things in preparation this podcast i wrote that story and i also listened back to our podcast right after the navy game just because I wanted to like get a vibe of where we we're at, man, we were negative. We did not I'm, have faith in this season. We were, did anyone? I hope no one. No, like, I no. I um, I, I at one. It was funny because at one point in the podcast, I said that I would be. I said at this point, I would be beyond thrilled with an eight and four season. And you were like hundred percent. And I'm like, wow, that's now UCF's worst case, basically. Yeah. So they really did recover thing. And I, I, I honestly think they have a decent shot at nine and three. I really do. Yeah. Because I, I don't think everyone's starting to get worried about USF. No. <laughs> like I, I, the last two games are easy wins. It just comes down to this. But um, yeah, I just, the other thing that, in, that when I was writing that article was I, part of the reason the defense has gotten better is Tatum Bethune and Ricky Barber missing. Like, I don't think we processed at the time what dramatic losses both of those guys were yeah. to the defense. Yeah, I mean, Tatum Bethune this week, 11 tackles, uh, half a sack, two tackles for loss, pass breakup, quarterback hurry. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of level that he was playing at consistently towards the end of last season when he kind of started to break out a little bit. Yeah, that's why I think going into this season, I called him like my my defensive MVP before the season. Um, because, yeah, which I, mean, I kind of like I kind of like rolled my eyes a little bit at you when you called that over the summer and it's been close to spot on. Yeah, I mean, if I think. I don't remember how many games he missed, but it was just one or it was one or two. It was a couple. Yeah, it was a couple, I, think I think it was a couple. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's well, a huge I think part. it might have only been two, but he got hurt against Louisville. And I think he missed most of that game. Yeah. Am I making this up? OK. Yeah. So I, I remember. Yeah, it, does, it seems like it's more than just one. But either way, things are better now that he's back. Yeah. Him and Ricky. I mean, he's he's uh, a I mean, massive part of the defense. And yeah, Ricky Barber, I think, kind of gets overlooked 
for whatever reason, I think just part of it's the, everybody gives the attention to Big Cat. I think like not just I'm gonna say nationally, but I'm like on the broadcast when they're talking about UCF's defensive line, they'll talk about Big Cat. But Ricky Barber has been speaking about talking. We have to acknowledge that as good as the defense has been, they have still since the East Carolina game been playing without their best player. Yeah, and they're That's... still this good. I just and I kind of want to go back a little bit to the point, like to the um, discussion we had on last week's podcast about like the returning players for next year. I mean, you look at the guys that had these performances on on Saturday and I know Bryson Armstrong is not going to be back but Tatum Bethune I mean you'd assume he's back Quadric Bullard um, and then there's Josh Telescar who's been consistently good Traymond Morris Brash had uh, one and a half tackles for loss um, you've got guys all over the defense and then you think you know you'll get Kalia back and so you're gonna I, going into next I season, think the 2022 UCF defense is going to be the best defense in school history and then that's the thing. Too, I really the, think that I'm not, I don't even think that's hyperbole. The secondary is, has been fantastic as well. And then this was a same, like this was remember earlier in the season, we were like, well, we were, cause we said last year they were young, you know, they got that experience and we expect them to make the jump this year early on in the season. They weren't, but you know, by now they have, like, I think we were just a little, maybe they a little have. impatient it, at the beginning of the year. I think so too. I think in hindsight, well, it, it, the problem was it, it didn't feel like they'd improved at all at the beginning of the season. It felt yeah. like they were right where they picked up last year and that was upsetting, but no, they've really settled in. They've had some guys step up who we weren't, weren't talking about yeah. before the season. So I just, as a whole, that unit is, and I'm, and I'm really excited to see what they can do against a really good offense like SMU, because we've talked at length about the Cincinnati game. And as we've talked at length, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances there. That 56 points looks really bad on paper. And a lot of it wasn't on the defense. It was on the offense and on special teams. So I'm excited to see what they can do against SMU. Yeah. I think like three turnovers led to points. Then there was two special teams miscues. Like it really wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Like, I know UCF's defense is really good, but like when you give what at the time was what, like the number three team in the country and you give them the ball at like, you know, you're 15. Yeah. Like, what do you want? What do you want to do? Like, it's just, you know, so I'm yeah. really excited. I, I think they could have a really good day against SMU. So, yeah, I, I mean, think UCF could win that game. I really do. The defense held um, Tulane to 3.7 yards per rush, you know, which isn't like amazing, but it's not, you know, you can live with that, especially when you're limiting it to 5.3 yards per pass. I mean, they, that, that's what's that's what's so killer about them. And that's the difference now is they they are pretty good at more or less shutting down the run game each yeah. game. And now they'll pester the hell out of the quarterback. I, yeah. I, I just I mean, Michael Pratt is a good quarterback and he just looked so frustrated for so much of that game. On your point about the them being UCF being really committed to establishing the run. Um, they ran the ball 31 times and they averaged 1.5 yards per rush. <laughs> not going to get it done yeah and it was getting frustrating because it was just kind of like and like i said like i referenced earlier mikey was having a pretty good day and making some really good throws and i was just kind of getting a little and and i get listen it was i understand the mindset because it was really cold and it was really windy and those aren't those are situations where you're like obviously we have to establish the run but the problem is tulane was like yeah obviously (laughs) so they were just ready for it yeah and Keen, I mean, yeah, Keen went 19 of 25, so it's just six incompletions, 229 yards, and two touchdowns. And um, he had these; he had two throws for 50 plus yards. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's funny because you look at the average, and he averaged 9.2 yards per per completion. I guess it would be. Um, and like and you look at all those stats, like QBR and stuff, and it's not great. But like he, I, I wouldn't say there's much of much that he did super wrong in the game. Can I say something really quickly? Yeah, I, I don't know, but like. I don't care about, like, I don't consider QBR like a thing that I don't I care about. I don't know which ever. one it is. Is it passer rating or QBR? One of them is complete joke. One of them is like a little bit better, but I don't really think either of them are like much to pay attention to. I just, I'm really, I'm sick of both of them because I'm sick of like, I like a quarterback will have a good game and someone will say, oh, here was the stats of their good game. Ah, but their QBR was this. Or the vice versa where a quarterback it. has a really bad game and they're like, yeah, but they're QBR. And I'm like, you know, just look at the freaking stats. Like, I, I I just, I'm really like, why do we need the stupid rating that doesn't mean anything? Like, just look at the freaking stats. I don't know how either of them are calculated. I just don't care. It's just not a stat to me that I like, yeah. whatever, you know. Wow, yeah. Joey's was 0. 0.4. I don't, like, I don't even <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. Just, I don't even know what you make of that, but yeah. And yeah, to, just, just to be yeah. completely honest with you, because I don't really pay attention to it ever. I was just reading across the stat line and I was like, oh, well, his QBR was low, but I don't really, like, I just read it. That's, I wasn't yeah. trying no, to No, I wasn't like, like chastising you like, no, damn know, it, yeah. Bailey. How dare, I just thought I'd throw, I don't know if I'd said that on the podcast before. Yeah. So Mikey Keene, he now has 12 touchdowns to six picks this year. 
which pretty solid, honestly, for a true freshman. Uh, yeah. Multiple passing touchdowns ahead of what McKenzie Milton had a freshman. His completion rate is way higher than Dylan Gabriel's as a freshman, which I get that sort of influence because Dylan Gabriel's that entire offense was taking bombs downfield. But yeah, he's just having a really nice freshman season. He really is. And there have been mistakes, obviously, as they're always all of true freshmen, but he's been getting a lot better. This season yeah, that's the thing is he's getting better and better, which and Gus has been saying as a team as a whole, like he doesn't think that across the country, many teams will get better, like in the second half of the season. And he's saying like he's been challenging his players to like be that team that's like improving as the year goes on. And it seems like they have, I mean, the defense, especially, but obviously a keen as a true freshman is definitely doing that. And one thing I think we need to touch on too, before, um, before we move on is special teams. I know Obarski missed a field goal. And so we're kind of getting back into the territory where I'm like, all right, kind of getting a little nervous when he goes out there again, but there were two huge special teams plays that helped turn this game for UCF. And in a four point game, you know, you're going to need your special teams to play well. And that was the blocked punt by Mark Anthony Richards. And then there was Andrew Osteen dropping a punt down at the one yard line. I mean, those are two, those are two huge, even if like neither of them, wait, one of them led to the touchdown, right? It was the, I think it was the punt to the one flip the field position. And then UCF ended up getting a short field after that. One of them, I know they didn't, they didn't necessarily convert, but it's still just, it's, it's huge for field position, even if you don't score off of plays like that. Um, I have something to say about special teams too. Yeah. Why is there no one on UCF's roster that can catch a punt? (laughs) Why is that not a, like no one on this roster can catch a punt? No one. I don't know. I don't get why that's a thing. And I'm not mad at Obarski at all. Like, don't send your quarterback out to take a 40-plus yard field goal when it's that windy when you don't. Did I say your quarterback? Don't send your yeah, kicker you out. Say don't, don't send your quarterback Don't, say, <laughs> don't do that. All right, Mikey, you we're uh, you expanding your repertoire for this game. Yeah, don't, don't send your quarterback out to take a kick. Definitely don't do that. But also don't send your kicker out for what would have been, like, I think close to a career long when it was windy yeah. as hell. Like, I just thought that, that – I think it was, was what, 42? And I think his career long like is, like, 42. 41 or 40. Yeah, that was, due yeah. To, that was due to fail. Don't do that. But. Yeah. It no, was just a very I, tough right. the, sequence. The, and honestly, you talk about special teams. This isn't really on UCS special teams. It just is what it is. But like, that was what hurt the offense a lot in the game is Tulane kept downing punts inside like UCF's 10 in the first half. And it was just like killing drives before they got started. Yeah. I mean, Gus even said on Monday, he said that basically that Tulane was just dominating the field position game like throughout the whole day. And that yeah. those two plays by UCS special teams were what kind of helped turn things a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, it was... It wasn't a wasn't like a pretty game. No one's ever gonna call that a pretty game. But I that's why, like I said earlier, like if you're if you're winning games, I don't really care, especially that's in this thing. season. Like especially this year and the way it's gone. Like I'm just like any win is a win. And I and I said this on an earlier podcast. I said after the ECU game that like I like that this UCF team has won games in a lot of different ways. That is not something we saw under Hypel or even Frost. It was UCF was either putting up 56 points or they weren't winning the game. And this UCF team has won games by scoring 14. They've won games by scoring 49 and everything in between. Well, and, and on, that's yeah. great. On they've that won low point. scoring, close games, high scoring, close games and blowouts. <laughs> it's just like yeah. they've won every form of a game. Yeah. I mean, just to further on that same point, like we talked throughout Hypel's whole tenure about how they could not win a close game. And now yeah. they've, they've won a, a five point game against Boise state. Um, they, you know, there's, there's the two losses to Louisville and Navy, but then there's the four point win over ECU. Then there's this past winning for another four point one over Tulane. So like, I mean, UCF's doing what it needs to do, especially in a season like this, you're going to be playing close games. Like with, with as many injuries as they've had, if they were still blowing teams out. Like I would be very, very surprised other than like Temple because Temple's really bad, but you know, I, I don't think coming in, I don't remember my score prediction. I think I said they were going to win by 14, which I don't, wouldn't classify that. Yeah. As a we, we, we did not expect that to be a close game, but uh, I wouldn't classify that as a blowout though. Like, I don't know. I just can I give think... you can I give you a stat? Yes. Gus Malzahn has won more close games at UCF than Josh Heupel did. That does not surprise me at all. It's it's been th- three quarters of a season, and he surpassed Josh Heupel. In How many did Heupel have? Heupel had two. Twenty nineteen Tulane and twenty eighteen Memphis, and all the others were losses. <laughs> and Malzahn, I think, is. Let's look at these. One and another, that would mean... one and one, one and two, two and two. He's Malzahn is three and two in close games here. Yeah. So look at that. Frost would love, love that. Scott Frost just fired his entire staff, by the way. So that's cool. <laughs> oh, including former UCF quarterbacks, coach Mario Verduzco, one of the that's most kind of, unique individuals you'll ever meet. It's kind of sad. 
Yeah, I'm well, actually really bummed kind of about that. Really you no, know, it's really sad. They've been together since 16. So he just yeah. fired a guy he's been working with for like six years. Yeah, that's um, tough. They, I mean, yeah, there's nothing that says leadership like things aren't working. So let me deflect the blame to my assistant coaches. Um, Dan Mullen. love to see that. Dan Mullen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't have to get into that. But leadership, you want to move on to our topic? <laughs> topic two? If you're listening to this and you don't know what the next topic is, I like that Bailey just added leadership, and that's what we're going to – no one knows what direction this could go. Let's find well, out. Well, you did say – you did say nothing screams leadership. It was a perfect do segue. That, do you think that's how Frost announced the coaching changes? He walked into, like, the coach's room and was like, leadership, you don't yeah. have it. Get out. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> anyway. UCF's leadership is in a really good place. It really yep. is. Yep. You got Big Cat. You got Dylan okay. Gabriel. You got Sam Jackson. UCS leadership. leadership at the top with Terry Mohajer and Gus Malzahn. <laughs> is in a very, very good place. And I think this was just something that's kind of been building. And this is a conversation we wanted to have just because of some of the things that we saw over the weekend. Um, and then you, you pointed out to me, like, remember in January where we were like, Danny White had just left and then he took Josh Heupel with him, which I wasn't as sad about. Um, but it just, it was put UCF in a really bad situation because they were like, well, we I, need to I find wrote, AD. I wrote a story when I said the golden age of UCF athletics had come to an end. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't even remember that. Yeah. Like it it was, things were bad. I think we've forgotten because things ended up so well, how bad things seemed when UCF's AD and coach jumped ship within days of each other. Yeah. It it was, it wasn't a great position to be in, especially, you know, you're having to find a new AD and then you're having to find a new head coach and they did it quickly. Like it happened quickly. quickly. And this was what it resulted in was having Terry Mohajer and Gus Malzahn. And which it's funny how, th- how things change over time. Mahajer was pretty much great. Like there are lots of things we forget. We forgot about the night where everyone thought it was Jim Sterk. Yeah. Um, I don't think that ever was like legitimate. That was just kind of a thing that leaked leak, quote unquote leaked out. Everyone was pro Mahajer from the start. How could you not be the dude was on TikTok for God's sake. Um, people were not happy about Malzahn. If you remember nope. when he came in remember, and even like the players, because the players had self-anointed Jeff Levy <laughs> as the weird coach. time. That was a really strange stretch of time. Remember Dylan Gabriel deleted all of his UCF yep. stuff from social media. I do remember continuing, that. continuing his stretch of maturity as UCF's quarterback. Um, I, I, it leadership. was a really, really weird stretch of leadership. Yeah. I remember because I was the one Malzahn got hired. I thought Malzahn was a really good hire. I, and I'm not like trying to brag and be like, well, I from the start knew he would be good. <laughs> I didn't even process how good he would be. I just thought he was a really good get. And I thought he was going to help recruiting a lot. And I remember having to fight with people on Twitter. Then he came out and did his press conference the next day and was like, we were going to win every single game for the rest of time. And fans were and we're going to play teams that. in parking lots. Parking lots, Waffle Houses, we'll play them wherever. Yeah. We'll play them over a griddle. We don't care. Um, uh, it's it's your, but I, like just we've had this conversation in bits and pieces. But I mean, what's really fascinating to me is like not just that UCF landed in such a good spot, but like that is the power of this university and this athletics program over many others. Like if you're like a Boise State, and I'm not trying to like like you know dump on Boise State, yeah. but like there are programs where you really need the right people because that's all that you'll have going for you. Like you really need to land those hires and UCF is a place where it's just, I'm sorry. I just dropped a coin. Um, <laughs> I love that. I got a, sorry. I got the, I got a space coin. Cause I, I, I was finally back in the press box this week. So I got my space coin from the, of this game and I've been like twirling at my fingers. I've been talking and I just completely dropped it. I apologize. <laughs> but um and, you know, like UCF, when those jobs opened up, I remember at the time there was Andy Staples at The Athletic tweeted that he was he was asking around and it was like every single athletic director and coach in the country that was even sort of available was desperately trying to get in on the UCF jobs. And that's why it's never going to be over here, because this place, this place just this place. has such potential that you can always attract the top people of the industry here. And this is where they're a group of five. They're going to be big. They're going to be big 12 in two years. And hopefully it doesn't matter because I think both Mahajra and Malzahn plan to be here for a while, but it's still, it's just, it just shows the power of this program. Yeah. And that's the thing is like a, a few, like even just a few years down the line, like what will UCF not have going for? Like, I guess maybe you could say like the history still, like they're still building the history. Like other, other schools have hundreds of years, hundred years, whatever. But that would be the only thing, the only knock you could give UCF on anything. And they've obviously had sustained success. So it's not like this is a program that hasn't proven anything. So it's- No, I, you look at, it reminds me, honestly, I mean, when you look at FSU, when Bowden came in, and I'm not trying to be like Gus Malzahn is UCF's Bowden. It's a very different situation. But when he came into FSU in what, the 70s? FSU only been playing football for like 30-something years. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the stage UCF is at now where they've had some really notable seasons They've really become a brand in football. 
And now it's just taking it to that next level. I mean, I really think that's where they're at. Yeah. And so, I mean, some of the things that kind of led me to like start thinking about this and then like approach you to say, like, let's talk about this on the podcast was seeing over the weekend, starting on Friday at Spirit Splash, Terry Mohajer, actually before Spirit Splash, the picture that was posted of him just sitting at his desk wearing a snorkel. <laughs> and I was just like, this man, this man is the best. And, and a rubber duck swim trunk. Yeah, he is the best. <laughs> and then so then he he's obviously just having an amazing time at Spirit Splash, runs into the, the reflection pond. Um, It's just his energy. I swear, you can't not smile when you see the things that they post about Terry Mohajer. And I, I even looking something today, I was kind of like going through um, different things because I was actually on my way to on my way to Orlando on Friday. It took me three hours to get there. Um, so all the spirit splash stuff, like I didn't really see any of that. So I was kind of like looking at some stuff today. And I think it was during, I think it was while the women's basketball team was up there um, leading like the go Knights charge on cheer. And then like, it's coach Abe, it's some of the players. And then you see, I like out of the corner of my eye, I was like, wait, who's in the corner? It was just Terry Mohajer just like jumping back and forth, like doing it with them. I'm like, this guy, like, I don't know how he like, I don't know if, if he's like really, really well rested all the time. If he gets good sleep or if he just doesn't need sleep, like he just, he's just caffeinated. I don't know what, what the deal is, but he's so much fun. And it's not just that like, oh, he's like a quirky guy. Ha ha. Like he's a good, he's very obviously a good AD and has already been paying dividends as UCF's AD. Like, so I, I can't tell Mahadra's story from Saturday Please was do. in the press conference after the game where, you know, I, I, for those of you who like, aren't journalists which i'm assuming is most of you it's like press conference is a pretty formal setting you, you know it's not like a it's not like a pep rally or whatever like right. you just come in there you sit down you ask your, it's kind of like a business meeting you ask your questions get whatever and uh mike bianchi treasured orlando sentinel columnist was there and he asked about uh he or he, he didn't even ask i think he just stated to malzahn at one point and mahajra always watches the press conferences which that's a departure from danny white i rarely saw danny white in the press uh conference area and mahajra is literally always there and uh Bianchi was like oh uh coach uh UCF gets to six and three they're the first um bowl eligible team in the state of Florida and Mahajra in the back of the room goes yeah and starts like like banging his hands together and clapping and cheering the whole room is silent and it's just Mahajra cheering and clapping on his own for like five seconds and then Malzahn's just kind of smiling at him Malzahn's like and then he dies down just Mahajra dies down he goes yeah you know yeah we're bowl eligible it was just like that's Mahajir, he's just he's so into everything at the school and like it was like very clearly i think he tweeted the clip of that too mohajir tweeted the, i'm pretty sure he tweeted the clip of that question and then um yeah he literally says hey great question at bianchi writes congrats <laughs> on the homecoming win you see a football bowl eligible folks first in the state and i swear when you watch the video did he like laugh really loud too i feel like i feel like he just went like ha ah! Or like, he like had a, it was like a maniacal moment. It was like a maniacal moment. It was really, I could probably play it. I'm just going to play it right here. I'm I wonder gonna how it's going to sound. Up. We'll see. It'll be fine. If it sounds bad, I'll cut it. That, that was all Mahajer. And I need people to understand, like, he was like 20 feet away from the mic. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, that, that's how loud he was. <laughs> I didn't even process awesome. when I listened to it that like I heard clapping and I was like, wait, who would have been clapping? I guess I didn't realize it was him. It was just Mahajir. No, That's, we're all just kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I man, he's he's an interesting guy. He seems like a really good. I, we talked we talked at length over the years. Well, not on this podcast because that hasn't existed for a year yet. About how <laughs> getting there. Yeah, we are getting there. We're cu- we're like two months away from the about one two year. Months. We're gonna do something really special for the one year anniversary. Stop promising that for anything. Like, <laughs> you gotta stop. That's something gonna be great. You'll see. We'll do. We'll, I don't know. We'll do something. Um, <laughs> and you know, Danny White obviously was like a like a great AD, an awesome AD. And I, I know we're still early, but Mahajer seems to really be living up to that standard, and that's rare to yeah have two great ADs back to back. Yeah, and then just real quick on the Gus front of things, like the way he's welcomed back alums like of the football program since he got here, really. He's meeting with people like early on, like when he first got the job, he was, I know he was seeing some former guys come through and taking pictures with them and all that stuff. But like this past weekend for homecoming weekend, um, I know he had Shaquem Griffin talk to the team. I think it was on Friday. And then there's just pictures of him, like with, with all of some of the guys that came back. And I think that's something that I don't remember Hypel ever really doing that. I don't remember. There was, there was lots of after the fact discussion that alumni, it's not, not necessarily that they weren't welcome back, but that there wasn't really an effort to get them back. Yeah. And it seems like there's very much been an effort for Gus 
and not only an effort to like get them back, but also just like he just seems genuinely like there's that picture of him giving Shakim a hug and he's like smiling like he's hugging Santa Claus. It was a really like, great photo. Well, I guess to be clear, Maul Zahn was smiling. Yeah, like he was hugging. Santa and I guess Claus. I should also be clear that like it's like as if he was a child hugging Santa Claus because I don't know that like Gus Malzahn hugging Santa Claus. I don't know if he'd be smiling like that at this age. I don't know. Come on, it's Santa Claus. Man. It was a good comparison, I think. Um, Santa Claus is like I got you a motorized scooter. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's I, just you know UCF see. got so freaking lucky that with Malzahn, and because it's such a rare combination of you got a guy who had national championship rep and is like one of the most well-known coaches in college football. So you instantly got a giant recruiting burst. Unlike many other coaches in that situation, he, this wasn't his retirement job. This wasn't like a Tuberville thing or whatever, where he was just like, I'm just going to like, he has a chip on his shoulder and wants to win. And he wants to stay. I, I it's like, it's such a strange, it's so rare for coaches like that to be available. And it really was just the perfect timing, obviously. I mean, blessings to Josh Heupel for leaving when he did. He's, he's only 56 um, too. Like, he coached here for a decade. When he for got hired, decade. when he got hired, I was thinking he was way older. Yeah, he was, no, he, he can literally coach you for a decade if he wanted to. Yeah, and I, I just really things are going great so far. I mean, the, the the way this season has been recovered, even with the injuries, has been remarkable. Honestly, nothing short of remarkable. I mean, to go with the injuries they've had and to go from three and three to six and three with a real with a real chance to get to nine and three is stunning. Yeah. The recruiting class is nuts. UCF, they passed Cincinnati. Cincinnati spent the whole freaking summer bragging about, we have the best recruiting class in the history of the group of five, blah, 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 blah. Guess who does now? UCF. <laughs> and it, like better than anybody. So, yeah. and it's a class that I think right now would rank like fifth in the big 12 in, in the power conference. They're not even in yet. They're already in above the top half of the league. I, I just, it's crazy. It, it's really, it's everything has just been perfect. And honestly, if it weren't for these injuries, like we'd be living the dream scenario right now. And I'm really excited for next year. Really excited for the years to come. I, I just, yeah. Leadership is just such a good spot right now. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just one more thing on the recruiting thing, like just, I don't know. You see, I think you see it sometimes maybe, maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here, but I, I just saw Troy Ford jr. Visited this past weekend and um, he's a four-star linebacker for the class of 2023 and he posted some pictures talking about how a great visit and there's just a picture of him and gus that's like do you see gus like or do you see every head coach like doing that like i think it looks like that might have been on game day i would assume and then there was also a couple weeks ago it was um the video of him and tommy castellanos yeah like, he's just like just so personable and so like involved with these recruits like it's not just like he leaves it up to his staff to to you know get these guys it's like he's well and that's the big difference personally because- invested I, like I, I'm going to try to toe the line with what I'm going to say here because everyone knows my thoughts on recruiting and it's my, like my thoughts on recruiting. It's the importance of recruiting rankings or what I have an issue with. Yeah. Recruiting itself is incredibly important and like inc- it's everything. And there are coaches out there, head coaches that don't think they need to be involved in that. Yeah. And I'm not that overtly trying to take a shot at Dan Mullen, but I do feel like that's like kind of relevant now because of his whole situation. And it's like Malzahn nails that. I mean, and, and it's so much. And it's the thing that I feel like a lot of coaches, even head coaches don't understand it until they get into trouble. And it's like, you see the video with Castellanos, right? And Malzahn, he's just got his arm on his shoulder laughing together. And like the thing about Malzahn is he's genuine with these play- these players. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a like, let me put on my coach speak and talk about how we're going to like whip you into shape. It's like, yeah. he he just, he genuinely cares for his players. I was in it's the- It's literally the, like, come come be a part of our family, like legitimately. Yeah, when I was in the when I was in the press conference, I was sitting in like the back row. So the players who were waiting to talk were sitting behind me while Gus was talking. I think it was- Mikey, Ryan, and uh, Bryson, okay. and Malzahn's up there, and they're asking about the they're asking him about the uh, the injury with, with Quadrant Bullard. And Gus was very funny talking about how Quadrant weighs more than 157 pounds and blah blah. And the players are all just like cracking up, like they just think he's the funniest guy <laughs> in the world. Like they're just laughing away at everything he's saying. And I'm just like it. Just the team feels like a family again. I mean, it really does. It seems yeah. like, and and that's beyond Gus. It's everybody. We saw in our time this week, curb hand with the O linemen and how close they are. Yeah. We've seen it repeatedly with Travis Williams. I mean, this staff is a freaking. The staff and this team is a freaking family. This, I mean, that's the thing is the staff is so cohesive, and obviously it's a departure from the previous staff where it was like their offense and defense were running two separate like separate programs. It was Wait, that, was it machine. Ryan O'Keefe who said earlier this season, he was like, oh yeah, I never spoke to defensive players before this season. <laughs> so, something, something along those lines. And like, it really, at the time, like, it was, it was surprising to hear someone like flat out say it, but it was also kind of like not that surprising just considering the way the staff was structured and the way everything was structured under the previous. Staff. And that like, honestly falls more on Danny than it does on Hypo. Because yeah. if you remember, right, Randy Shannon and Hypo were 
hired at the same time. Yeah. They were almost kind of hired as co-coaches. So yeah, naturally you ended up having two locker rooms. Yeah, it was, it was just a weird situation. But just to see where everything is right now, considering where everyone everyone was and everyone was like everyone's state of mind was in January when both Danny and Josh Heupel left within days. Everyone's like, what's going to happen next? And I feel like UCS in a better situation. Obviously, you know, the Big 12 stuff happened too. Um, but, you but you know, and I don't, I, I, I could be speaking, I, I could be off base. I think at the end of the day, it would have still happened. Oh, yeah. But I think that UCF getting into the Big 12 is more difficult with Danny White as athletic director. I can he see He made a lot of, and I don't disagree with the national championship thing in any way, shape, or form. And it wasn't even so much that as it was his scheduling stuff and his, mm-hmm. like, handing over his emails with Scott Strickland to the Orlando Sentinel to put him on blast for not scheduling them. I mean, I, Danny White burned a lot of bridges. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think it would have been a much tougher sell if he was still athletic director from that UCF. Yeah. Well, leadership. That's how I'd say. Uh, yep. That's all it is. Let's jump in. Topic three, UCF SMU preview for this weekend. Um, how are you feeling about this game? Buddy, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the first clue. I, UCF could lose by double digits. They could win by double digits. I have no idea. SMU is spiraling. which makes me feel better. And they do this every year. I tweeted a stat and I probably should have had it ready, but I don't. So I'm going to vamp as I look it up. Um, You you know, the SMU does this every year. It's this thing. They literally, um, no, I can't find the stat. I don't know what I I tweeted. Hold on. What did I tweet? I don't know. Um, Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was just, okay, I found it. We're good. We're good. Sorry about that. I'm probably going to cut that. Um, they uh smu going back to 2019 through the first half of their schedule 2019 2020 and this year they are 17 and one through the second half they are seven and seven like every single year they just collapse in the second half of the season and i don't know why and yeah i mean it's in the point where they're in in the midst of doing that right now having UCF is ahead of them in the conference standings having lost their last two and then this is a huge game for them just because well, I mean, it, it is in general, but it's a huge game for them because say they lose, that's three in a row, and they go play Cincinnati next week. Yeah, I mean, their season is on the freaking ropes. And one thing I will say is UCS playing at SMU, they haven't lost a home game this year. Yeah. So even if they're spiraling, it's not going to be an easy I win. Think they're still a really good team. Gus said something about like they haven't lost a home game in like three years or something like that. Is that true? I don't know. He said that. Oh, like, it could really? be actually. No, I, didn't, look. I didn't mean I didn't fact check Gus Malzon, but um, – well, yeah, I maybe. just, but the other thing that's playing a role, and I don't know if it's playing a role because they do this every year, but like it, it, Sonny Dykes is probably leaving. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I saw it was reported and you know, players see this stuff that he's had a contract extension on his desk for weeks now that would make him one of the highest paid coaches in the group of five that would dramatically expand his salary pool. And the dude hasn't signed it. Well, because now there's two in-state Texas schools looking for coaches, right? One. One. Uh, Texas Tech hired somebody today. Oh, did they? Yep, they What's hired that? Baylor's linebackers coach, I believe. Interesting. Um, former high school coach. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I honestly think it is a foregone conclusion that Dyke ends up at TCU. For TCU, it's a no-brainer. You've got a guy who, you've got a guy who has shown how you can build a really, really good program in the city of Dallas by relying on transfers. And well, would you look at that, TCU's in the city of Dallas. So yeah. it's, <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. But no, SMU lost at home uh, in 2020. Okay, then I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe he was operating under our, um, our UCF home game streak. Maybe logic. it's accurate. Like 2020 it's not accurate. counting. So. But yeah, I just, to back to this game. No, I, I have no earthly idea what to expect. I have no idea. I absolutely think UCF can win. I absolutely have no idea if they can. Jalen, Jalen Robinson is apparently back according to Gus today. That's big. That That's big. really freaking big. That is big. I really, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult game to call and we're going to try to do it. So let's go and jump into our predictions. Yeah. What's your record? Three and twenty-four. Didn't I already say it? <laughs> or did no, I, just I don't say think I'm three. Well, I'm three and twenty-four. So nice. I am ten and fifteen for comparison. Okay. Um, you Thanks. know, just in case people wanted to know. Just in case anyone other than you cares. Well, let's get the ones that won't be right out of the way. What is yours? Um, I'm gonna say UCF's gonna hold SMU under thirty points. That's one of mine. No way. Yeah, well, I said UCF we'll... will become the second team this season to hold SMU under thirty points. Yeah, so they're averaging forty point one per game. They're eight eighth scoring offense in the country. And yeah, they scored 30 plus in eight of their nine games. But with the way UCF's defense has been playing, I don't know. It's just hard to see a team scoring that many points on them. 
that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, I just lot with the way that de- like you, you net it on the head with the way the defense has been playing. I can't realistically see them give up 30 points. I just can't, maybe I'm horribly wrong. Maybe I'm horribly wrong. But I just, for which three for last three games now, which is a quarter of the season, UCF is allowing eight points a game. Yeah. And I know that SMU is a much better team. So like, okay, let's double that. Okay. It's still 16 points. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm expecting a good day from the defense. We'll get to it. But my score prediction, like, it feels like I'm giving SMU way too many points. Just it, it feels disrespectful to UCF's defense, but it's just yeah, we'll see, I'm man. Trying to like overcompensate and like say like, well, SMU is a really really good offense, but I don't know. So we'll, we'll get to that. But um, wait, so now we shared we share we, a prediction. Yeah, so you so. give me another one. You okay. give me another one. <laughs> um, speaking of Jalen Robinson, he'll catch a touchdown pass. I also, have a Jay- I also have a Jalen Robinson related one. But Let's hear it. Yes, Jalen Robinson will lead the team in receiving yards. Okay. I think oh, if I he's back and he's healthy, he is automatically the best receiver by a fairly decent margin. I think UCF just being able to go back for the first time since literally the beginning of the season to have three receivers that are capable instead of two is yeah. going to be like a huge difference maker for my keyboard than anybody. Well, he made it seem to, um, Jalen did, made it seem like he could have played against Tulane because he tweeted, what was it on, on Sunday? He tweeted free one four or no, free four. What number is he? One. Free, did he, yeah. what did he say? He, he tweeted free Uno. Free Uno, there we go. Which like, you know, okay. Yeah, don't please love, don't do don't that. Love but like also, like it sounds that, like but... he's ready to go. So yeah. Well, I was conf- I was a little I was chuckling a little because Jason Beatty had reported before the game that Jalen was going to play. Sparingly. So clearly Jalen expected to play sparingly. And Malzahn, I was laughing a little because in post game they asked Malzahn about it. He said, "Oh yeah, no, we had him ready in like an emergency situation." And I'm like, "Didn't the last offensive drive qualify as an emergency situation?" <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we just break, like, break, break glass in case of emergency. And she's I mean, if like, that wasn't Mah. the emergency, what was? I, like, I, I really want to know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like he should be back. Um, and yeah, so if maybe Malzahn meant a literal emergency, like if the fire alarms had gone off, they'd been like, "Jalen, get out there!" Like, I don't know. <laughs> if for some reason he doesn't play, we both get a prediction wrong immediately. But I think he will. And I think it will. I mean, be, Gus basically be, confirmed it. It wasn't be very like a, impactful we'll see. if he does. Huge. Yeah. But honestly, outside of Dylan, he's like probably one of the biggest guys they've missed this year. I mean, he is dynamic. And with how the receivers have played this year and the, the clear lack of depth at that position, that's become a way bigger problem than I would have anticipated when he went down against Louisville. Yeah. All right. My final prediction. And this is where it gets a little bit weird because I saw Jason Beattie posted on Sunday night that UCF opened as a nine point underdog. Um, oh, that's it? I've seen I've seen today seven actually I saw it yesterday seven and a half. Whoa! So I'm, I'm going with seven and a half. Right I'm saying UCF's going to cover seven and a half point spread. Okay. Can I so, can I say mine now? Yes. Uh, this will be a single digit game, win or lose. We're we're very much aligned on on this week, like which is weird because it's a game that's like really difficult to predict. Yeah, and we're just yeah I don't like that. That that's ominous to me. Well, let's you want to get into our score predictions then. Yeah, ESPN has it at seven and a half. Wow, that's where I that's where I found it or where I saw it. And wow, so that's okay. the one I was going with. That's pretty. That's awesome, honestly. For I mean, it means nothing, but you know. yeah. That right, being go ahead said, if your score prediction. That being said, uh, I've got SMU twenty eight twenty one. You picked SMU to win. I did. Me too. I have a twenty eight twenty four win for oh, SMU. <laughs> I yeah. just I don't know. I can't be that much of an ass where like UCF wins a few games against bad teams. And I'm like, we're back to crushing the top of the conference. Like I still think they're probably going to lose, but I tell you they can win at this point. Wouldn't the difference be surprised between, in the slightest if they won. I wouldn't either. The difference between their records at this point is one game. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they're that far apart, but it, SMU as of two weeks ago was still very, very good. So, and it's, yeah. uh, and it's on their field. So, yeah. And then it just, I don't know. I think the defense, like UCF's defense, I think is the one that's going to have to keep them in this just because the offense has been yep. so like, erratic i guess you could say that and the I offensive play caller can't walk <laughs> that too um that like i if i if i'm gonna say SMU's gonna score 28 points i don't feel comfortable saying UC, uh, ucf's gonna score more than that yeah i agree with that i, I like i said so, i just i felt like i would be such a homer to pick ucf to win this game but hey at 20 28 21 ucf still covers a seven and a half point spread just barely so so i talked i'm gonna put some money on that so i talked about this um last season a lot um I just realized, I'm sorry, you're looking at me weird. I'm like shaking my fist, holding like an adapter. Cause I oh, just, the, like there, the dongle for, yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's like all these items on my desk. And as I, talk, I'm a very, like, for people who haven't met me in real life, like I'm a, like, I talk with my hands constantly. So I just start picking up stuff, but like, I'll be like, I like, there's a mask here. And like earlier I was waving my mask at Bailey. And I was like, I'm making a point, but um, anyway, I last season, like 
I, if UCF loses, it's fine. I, they're still going to go eight and four and getting to nine wins with a bowl game with how this season has been is awesome. But like I talked about this last season they're in the same spot. Six and three is a good record. And they're in my mind, just the way I perceive them, there is such a swing between six and four and seven and three. Like those records look so different to me. Yeah. Yeah. And even though like it's really just to go a further, a step further, like nine and three feels so much better than eight and four. Yeah. Like why is that like eight and four is like, okay, they were like an, they were like an average to good team and nine and three is like, that was a pretty good year. And like, it's literally one game. So but really when you've only got 12 to work with, it makes a difference. I'm really bad at fractions. So, I mean, that's the thing. So if, if you win, if you go eight and four, you won two thirds of your games, correct? That is correct. You but if you go nine and three, if you won nine and three, you've won 75, three, four. Yeah, three fourths of it. So I feel like the, for some reason that feels like so much better. It's not that drastic. Well, of a the difference. big thing is, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but let's say that UCF wins, which I don't think is that out there. Um, they're basically guaranteed nine and three. UConn's obviously an easy win. USF will almost certainly be an easy win. And even if it's not like, even if that one ends up closer than we would like, USF just can't beat this defense. Um, you look at, why are you smiling at me? Like you just, I just want to ask, I want to see if you, if you want to announce the bet that you have with my dad. Oh, <laughs> should we, we, just wait till, did should I, we just did wait till game? Give him, did I give him 21 points? 21 I gave him 21, points. Didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And I stand by that. I feel as good about that as I did when we made the bet. I bet Bailey's dad, we bet over a Nuggets meal, right? Yeah, it was a 12-count Nugget meal at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that I bet on that US, that UCF will beat USF by at least 21 points. Yeah, and I have a chicken sandwich on the line that UCF will win. I just Which he had to, he negotiated me up. I tried to bet 14. No, you know what? He Because he, I've talked to him about it, and he said he knew you would take, he knew you would take 21. <laughs> he was like, he was like, he fell for it. He's like, he fell for it because I was just like, I threw it out there and I knew he would say yes to 21. He freaking played me. I don't care. I'm right. <laughs> I, I am right. I should give my USF score prediction now and I'll just stand by it for three weeks. UCF's going to uh, win that game 35 to three. Get ready. Wow. Um, no, I'm serious. I don't think USF's going to like score, but um, either way you look at, so let's say that that happens really not that out there. Cause it all just comes down to this SMU game nine and three. If UCF wins a bowl, they close the season on seven straight wins at 10 and three and shouldn't they be ranked i think i feel like they should they should be if they won seven straight games to close the year and it'll depend on who the bull opponent is i'd have to double check but i'm willing to bet that would be the second longest win streak in school history second longest i mean assume behind the 25 game winning streak no it's ahead of it no i'm just saying that's ahead of it they haven't won. i really can't think of another time i'd have to check like maybe like 2010 i remember they won a bunch in a row in 2010 mm. but i i, I mean it's up there like seven, yeah. winning seven games in a row is hard and it's really they're so close to that right now i mean they really are if they go 10 and 3 like and i know we're way ahead of ourselves here but if they do beat smu and they go whoop, whoop, and they win the rest you gotta rank them <laughs> you gotta um, rank them and i'm gonna be loud about that on twitter yeah i'm sure you will be um oh, yeah. let's go ahead and let's jump into the football news um i like how we just talked about how like we both picked smu which of course makes sense but like we were we just we were like okay we we're both picking smu and they're like well they could very well get to nine and three like we were just we but, talked we spent like five more minutes about them going to nine and three after we predicted them to lose but it's not that they could jump for me because like i said with the way the schedule worked out we've been saying this since the off season smu is the only factor yeah. left there if they beat smu they're i mean they're winning the last two either way so this game is deciding whether it's eight and four or nine and three yeah i mean it's fair fair to say yeah um football news blake bortles has signed with the packers packers needed a quarterback and i don't think we needed to discuss why um so you're Shout saying out. Bortles was immunized? Shout out Aaron Rodgers. Um, Matthew Rice I saw, hit. I, wait, can I tell an Aaron Rodgers joke? Please do. I saw uh, our, our, our good friend and diehard Packers fan, Sarah Kelleher, sent me a meme. And it was like the Aaron Rodgers at the press conference. And it was do you, it was like the question was like, do you have a girlfriend? And the reply was, yeah, I have a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> I, saw that. I lost my mind when I saw that. That's a good one. Um Matthew Wright hit three field goals to help the Jaguars beat the Bills nine to six on Sunday. That what result, a football score. That result made no sense. Um, so this was interesting too. Eric Gilliard apparently visited ECU over the weekend. Um, of course, he entered the transfer portal earlier this year, uh, leaving UCF, and he visited ECU. Every head coach over 70 is losing their minds at the idea that a player could transfer in conference. <laughs> Just absolutely livid. Speaking of transfers. Um, Louisville transfer defensive back Braylon Oliver visited UCF over the weekend. Um, and he likes he, he said that bounce house was live. Yeah, I don't know if I agree. Um, Lottie left at halftime. 
but uh, it was cold and Floridians can't handle. Oh, that, I didn't so even explain it. that I wasn't there. Why I wasn't there? Oh, Bailey wasn't there because he I got didn't engaged. get to watch. Well, you didn't game. get engaged. No, friend I didn't get engaged. engaged. <laughs> Sorry, your Bailey's friend got engaged. Yeah, so not to him, to someone else, and so he had to, <laughs> so he had to be gone for that. And now I will be not watching most of SMU because I have a wedding. So I won't be watching most of SMU because I will be at a Georgetown basketball game. I like that how we're like li- no listen, <laughs> listen to our podcast where we break down the game that neither of us are going to watch. We, I'm going to get it. at least the first half in, and then I'm just going to probably have to listen with like my headphones in during yeah. the actual like ceremony, which <laughs> I will watch. Like, I, think I, I watched the Tulane game over, you know, Saturday night and Sunday. I watched the game so I could talk about it. So I will yeah. watch the SMU game. It's just this might not be when it happened. Yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to be so frustrated if it's a really good game and I have to like, I might pretend I'm sick and just skip the <laughs> wedding, even though I'm literally driving to another state to go to it. But and you're now we'll saying this over the airwaves. Everyone's listening to it. I don't everyone, think everyone my, at the wedding don't is, think my North Carolina that. branch of the family is listening to my podcast but it's you know Come on I'm sure they are um mm, they're big fans I don't think me. so they're big fans of me. <laughs> yeah um, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste will be ready to roll quote ready to roll on Saturday after missing the Tulane game uh according to Travis Williams I uh, said that on Why Sunday well because I, I Jeremiah Jean Baptiste will be ready to roll quote ready to roll it's like quote ready to roll because I didn't say that it's just Travis Williams said it because I don't know like I don't want if he doesn't play. I don't want it to come back to me saying that he would be ready to play. Okay. Um, I don't know that it would. Bailey Adams confirms that Jeremiah Jean Baptiste <laughs> will play on Saturday. Uh, Bryson Armstrong, as I mentioned earlier, was named to the AAC Weekly Honor Roll, and we've already hit on uh, Gus Malzahn's fractured tibia, and he's going to be on crutches for six weeks, which obviously is the rest of the season, um, except for the bowl. Depending on when the bowl is, I guess, right? The New Year's Six bowls aren't until okay. Then, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, and then finally, just some some injury updates. We already talked about Jalen Robinson. Uh, Gus said that there's a good chance he will be on the fields this Saturday. He said Isaiah Bowser didn't practice on Sunday night, and he said we'll see how he does on Tuesday. And on Dylan Gabriel, Gus said we'll see if we get him back before the end of the season. So it went from like, oh, yeah, like we're very confident he'll be back to now we'll see if we have him back in the season. There's three games left and then the bowl game. So rumors are swirling. Yeah, it's almost almost all I'm going to say on that rumors are swirling yes they yeah. are anyway okay. three notable things three notable uh, men's things. soccer they had a two and one loss at number five Tulsa. two and one loss <laughs> two and one loss you just said <laughs> do you want to do the three notable things this is why i don't do it because yeah. I, I immediately screwed up two one loss at number five tulsa on friday for men's soccer they closed the regular season on a three-game losing streak uh falling to eight and seven and six and four in the conference but they'll still open the aac tournament uh in the semifinals on wednesday against memphis when two and right games before in... we came on, uh, women's soccer found out their season's over. I figured. Yeah. Um, win two games for men's soccer. Win two games, and you're in the tournament. As as is, is it only as... two games? Yeah, they're in the, they open in the semifinals against Memphis. Oh, jeez. When are the, are any of those games going to be here? No, someone else. I know they're the in Tulsa. Here. They hosted last week. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Um, games that are going to be here. Well, here in Orlando. I'm in Tampa right now. Um, in Orlando, <laughs> women's basketball opens up their season on Tuesday night against Duquesne. Uh, they're receiving votes in the preseason USA Today slash WBCA poll. Um, they got a 6 p.m. tip against Duquesne on Tuesday. Free entry for all fans. Please, I know I'm in Tampa, so I can't really speak on this, but please, if you can get to the game, get to the game, support that team. Wait, free entry for all fans, not just students? Yeah, that's what it said for, for the women's basketball season opener. Jeez, can you all support some freaking women's sports for once? Yeah. Come on, I mean, people. Please. They're, they're literally not even charging you money. They're, women's basketball is really good. Abe, yeah. Abe shouldn't even be here. She could coach anywhere in the country. <laughs> And yeah. she's turning UCF into like literally a national title contender eventually. So go support that team. Very, very likely that she's the best coach on campus. She just flat out. UCF has so, a yeah. very, very good coaches and she's the best they have. Um, very, very yeah, good coaches out, and look, love lady. Look out on a, uh, okay. You almost snuck in there. I almost, I almost didn't catch that. Um, but yeah. look out on night sports now um, on Tuesday morning before the game, I will have um, three reasons to be excited about UCF women's basketball this season um and then on wednesday men's basketball opens up their season against robert morris uh 7 p.m tip and on wednesday you can check night sports now um for three reasons to be excited about ucf men's basketball for this season i'm just giving myself work for fun and um, you can check night sports now right now as you're listening for my article on how ucf football recovered the season please do but that you should really also i was i, I and also to- read my big 12 all sports guy <laughs> And go read when I said the golden era of athletics is over like eight months ago. 
I really want to do a basketball podcast at some point, like in December, once the football season is over. And I know no one's going to listen to it, but I think we're just going to do it anyway. I, I, I'm doing it. I'm down to do it. Okay, anyway. cool. Yeah, we, we, we don't need you listeners for <laughs> the entire reason we do this. <laughs> uh, I love that people actually listen to us. It's, it's quite wild to me. Good God. Speaking of quite wild and people caring about things that we have to say, I know everyone's just waiting to know what your uniform of the week was this week. Uh, yeah, it was football. (laughs) I don't even know why we're doing this right now. It's going to be football for a while. We're, I don't know. Um, it was a really good look. State UCF looked awesome. Why not was the right look for it? Cause you really just need to defer that logo. I mean, it's so nice. It should just be front and center. Um, I, this is usually the part of the podcast where I tell you that next week is also going to be football, but we are recording it so early. I don't even know what the combo is yet. So who knows? Maybe, maybe UCF is wearing something I hate. I love that logo. That would be, I love that logo. And I loved it on the white helmet so much. It's my, it's yeah, my I love it. Background. It, it honestly looked a lot better than the black version, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I agree. It was great. Um, and Selena, Selena, my dog agrees too. Clearly, um, wow, Selena's very much so. Right but yeah, that she's was, yeah. always having fits. Um, Uniform of the week. That's so it. UCF football once again. Football is now a seven-time winner, and that's one one win off of the lead, which is men's soccer, who has eight. So that's quite wild. They've yep. already, they've it's already there, and very likely, depending on what SMU ta- what SMU combo is, could time up next week. There's, so. there, it will, there. Uh, I don't think I can say that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here before you say anything that you're not supposed to say. Um, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with episode 45 to talk about a game that Christian and I aren't going to be watching live, probably. Um, but we will have we will informed, have watched it. We'll have informed <laughs> opinions on it by the time you hear from us. Um, but until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you next week. Bye everybody.